read uh, our scripture text. comes from 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. It says this. The heading is God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of God, a glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Thank you, Gary. A couple things I, I want to share before we get into the message. Um, we are continuing to use songs that you turn into the office as your favorite songs. And uh, again, these aren't always songs that are familiar to other people. I really want to thank whoever turned in the song, Christ Be Our Light, which we used this morning. Uh, that's not a song that I'm familiar with. But as I was looking at it uh, on, uh, on, on the internet and uh, connected it with my message this morning, I thought this is a, a really good song for this morning. So don't be afraid to turn those in. You don't need a pre-printed sheet. Just put it on a piece of paper, as many others have, and, and turn it in, and we'll try to, uh, we'll try to use those songs. Um, I also uh, thought, as my, my neighbor Steve was up here this morning, he, he just can't get up here without saying we are Penn State. He just, he just can't, seem to, he can't seem to do that. But, you know, it was awesome as a pastor to see the church. It's always awesome to see how you respond in these times. But I, I was especially thinking of Steve and Cheryl. Cheryl, I'll put Cheryl first in this. Cheryl and Steve have put together so many funeral meals for families in this church. And for 
the church to be able to reciprocate that and for them to be able to, to sit back and be blessed by that was just something very, very good and, and, and very heartwarming for me as a pastor to see. So I, I too want to thank you for, for your response in all of that. <clears throat> and the last thing I want to say, uh, is, and I don't want to press this too much, but I, I know many of you have never heard of, of Sh- Shannon Lingenfelter who were kind of asking you to support the outreach and service team has been helping in, in small ways with Shannon for, for a period of time. Um, Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for the stage that you have already set through your spirit working and moving among us. And I just pray that that sweet spirit would continue. I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts and our minds uh, through the message that you've, you've put on my heart. May it speak to to each one of us. May we be encouraged and built up and inspired to move forward in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm sure you're aware that there's a great deal of difference between being intelligent and being wise. Exhibit A is the story of Steffi Krauss, age 17, she and her 19-year-old friend were in a, ju- a juvenile detention uh, center in Germany. The, the 19-year-old, her, her friend, was just about to get out. Steffi had a little bit further to go. So they came up with this great plan for how they could both get out at the same time. So Steffi got inside her friend's suitcase, and her friend wheeled her right out of the prison. Apparently the guards kind of wondered why it was so heavy, but they didn't bother checking. So they made their great escape. 
And apparently, Steffi is, is still on the loose. But rather than being free, she's now a fugitive from justice. And she has a lot more to answer for than the petty theft that got her in there in the first place. Of course, the worst thing was she only had two more weeks in her own sentence. So now she has a lot longer to go. Again, maybe intelligent, maybe a good plan, not wise. We are told that as human beings, we only use about 10% of our brains. And it's not hard to find people in our lives who aren't even using their 10%. (laughs) All I have to do is look in the mirror. At times I look at some of the things I've done, the decisions I've made, you know, some of the statements I've made, and I have to conclude that the only part of my brain that was functioning at the time was involuntary muscle control, you know, breathing, pumping blood, digesting food, and so on. And if someone would ask me, what were you thinking, I would have to conclude apparently nothing. So for me, it's, it's kind of amazing to hear Paul's words, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Sometimes I'd settle for just having a regular old human brain that's actually in working order. But what is the mind of Christ? In this passage, we have the only reference in all of Scripture to the mind of Christ. Interestingly, in Scripture, we only have one original reference to the mind of God, and that's in Isaiah 40. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Of course, we know the answer to those questions is no one. But Paul quotes that verse that verse here in his letter to the Corinthians and also in his letter to the Romans. We also only have one reference in Scripture to the mind of the Spirit, and that's in Romans 8.27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The mind of God contains all the wisdom and knowledge of the universe. It's from the the mind of God that creation has sprung, that that the plan of salvation was birthed. It's in the mind of Christ that it was determined how events would fold from that moment of creation through the end of time. Jesus thinks the thoughts of God and comprehends the wisdom of God. He made made it clear that he didn't come here to do his own thing. He came to show us the Father and to share with us what the Father had given him to share. Furthermore, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. So in the the mind of Christ, we have all three members of the Trinity acting in concert to give us access to the wisdom and the knowledge and the very thoughts of God. This is really a most extraordinary gift 
that God has given us. And Paul says it is given freely. Now remember, in the context of this letter, Paul is not just concerned about wisdom, but also about divisions in the church. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed that his followers might be one, even as he and the Father are one. So having the mind of Christ is not just about you understanding the deep things of God, the mysteries of his plan and all of that, and me understanding those same things. It's about all of us becoming one and functioning in unity in the wisdom that God gives. Let me say that again. It's all about us becoming one and functioning in unity in the wisdom that God gives. We can't separate unity from God's wisdom. How do we go about accessing and putting to use the mind that Christ has given us? If you have a GPS unit in your car and you don't know how to turn it on or, or access it or use it properly, it's not of much use. In fact, if you use it incorrectly or misinterpret what it's telling you, it might lead you in the completely wrong direction. Certainly one step in accessing the mind of Christ is the prayer that James talked about in his letter. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But we, before we can expect that request to be granted and God's wisdom to flow in our lives, there are some steps that we can and I think we must take. First of all, we must have a personal relationship with God. We must know God. It's not enough to know about Him. We must know Him personally, and, and He must know us. We must have experienced His presence and His power in our lives. It's amazing to me how many people think they can tap into God's blessings, perhaps even the mind of Christ, without ever committing their lives to Him and establishing that relationship. It doesn't work that way. We must love God. In verses 9 and 10 we read, This is what the Scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. This passage is frequently misused. If you've heard this verse before, you, you probably heard it in the context of heaven to point out that we have never seen, that, that, that we can't even imagine how, how beautiful and how glorious heaven is, what we will experience in the life to come. And certainly heaven is all of those things, and it is beyond our imagination. But in the context of Paul's letter, and even in the context of, of Isaiah 64.6, from which he's quoting, that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is really saying, we have not seen or heard, nor can we imagine, the things God wants to reveal to us right here and now. The wisdom that He wants to give. The great mysteries He wants to uncover. The hidden things that He wants to reveal to us. The things He wants to make known to His people. He's not talking about blessings in the future life to come. He's talking about what God wants to do in His people right now. And to whom are those blessings accessible? For those who love Him. 
I, I appreciate and, and I know a few people who when they begin their prayers almost always begin by talking, by telling God that they love him. And I realize I don't do that very much. And, and I, I have to say for myself, sometimes when I do use those words, I am just kind of struck down by how far my love for God falls short of what it should be. And, and, and that's probably why I don't use it as much as I, I should. I do believe this though, the more our love for God grows, the more our lives become wrapped up in in pleasing Him, doing His will, obeying His word, and allowing Him to live in us, the more He can reveal to us, and the more His wisdom can and will flow through us and be at work in our lives. We must also be walking with God. We must have fellowship with Him. Spend time in His presence. Immerse ourselves in His Word. Invest daily in times of, of prayer. And, and, and really seek to follow His plan for our lives. We must also have fellowship with God's people. And I'm glad we, we talked already this morning about how this is a family of God. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago, Paul pointed out that when he first came to Corinth when he presented the message of salvation, he didn't come with superior wisdom or or wise and persuasive words. But now he he changes that up just a bit and writes in verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. He seems to be saying that while the presentation of the gospel is a simple thing, and it's based much more on the power of the Holy Spirit than it is the words that are given or or our earthly wisdom. Yet as we mature and grow, we need to be seeking out the deeper things of God, the truths that go beyond simply the message of salvation and point us deeper and deeper in our relationship with God. Paul seems to be encouraging spiritual conversations with growing believers. We need to be engaged with other believers who are in the process of maturing in their Christian walk. We need to be exploring what it really means to take up our cross daily, exploring what it means to, to die to self and let Christ live in us. Exploring how we can become all God wants us to be, both individually and as a body. The simple phrase is, we. We have the mind of Christ. Now that word we is is very simple and basic, but what does it mean? As again, does it mean that that I have the mind of Christ and, and each one of you has the mind of Christ? Or does it mean that together as a body of believers... We have the mind of Christ. And I would, guess it's, yeah, I would guess it's a bit of both. I'd like to think that there are some areas in which I'm fairly well tuned in to the mind of Christ, but I would never, in my limited perspective, claim to have the whole mind of Christ. I would guess there are some areas where I'm way off. I'd like to think that each one of us has a piece of the mind of Christ and that when we share it together, The mind of Christ is more fully discerned. I haven't heard this lately, but long ago when someone was going to tell somebody else off, they might say, 
I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Unfortunately, it was rarely the Christ piece that we were giving. It was usually a piece that we should have kept to ourselves or found some other way to, to discard and get rid of. But I do think that it's in our sharing together, our individual pieces of the mind of Christ, that we arrive at a fuller and more accurate understanding of the mind of Christ and what He really wants for us. We must be willing to hear one another out, to be challenged at times by different viewpoints, to hear different questions raised and responded to. We must be invested in discerning together. While Paul tells us that this gift of, of the mind of Christ is freely given, elsewhere he addresses very clearly the need for study, for teaching, for learning, for growing, maturing, and, and, and seeking out, for adding more and more of God's wisdom and attributes into our lives. While God gives freely, we have a personal responsibility. We must be invested in and committed to grow. We must be determined to seek the mind of Christ if we're ever going to realize what that can mean in our lives. Having said all of that, the mind of Christ is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul makes it clear that this is not, that this does not come out of the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of the rulers of this world. It is a, a secret wisdom and it must be revealed and taught to us by the Holy Spirit. He alone has the unique ability to do that because he's part of the Godhead. He's, he's part of God himself. And as Paul says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. I think two key words here are inspiration and revelation. God is a self-revealing God. Can you imagine how hard it would be to find God if He did not want to be found? Fortunately, that's not the case at all. God wants to be found by us. The true history of the world from the beginning right through the present is God revealing Himself to mankind. Human efforts to find God independent of His self-revelation have led to all manners of, of false religion, to the creation of all sorts of, of images and so-called deities, all of which fall far short of the one true God. None of those efforts will ever lead to the God of grace and mercy. None of those will ever lead to a cross and an empty tomb. Who or what was God's rev greatest revelation of Himself? Who or what was God's greatest revelation of Himself? Jesus, thank you. In John 14, we, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Jesus was with us as God in the flesh. He came to show us exactly what God looks like. In fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us the Son is the radiance of God's glory 
and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Alright, so what's the second greatest revelation of God? Holy Spirit? Okay. I had something else in mind. His Word. I believe His Word. I, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not we, we're, we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit. We're, we're focused on Him as it is. But I think His Word is perhaps, <coughs> is perhaps the second greatest revelation. Peter writes, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have the record of, of creation and God's interaction with His creation from that time forward. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have the prophecy, both that which has already been fulfilled and that which is yet to be fulfilled. Most importantly, in the inspired Word of God, we have the clearest picture of Jesus Christ Himself and His saving work on the cross and how we need to respond to that in faith. In Jesus Christ and in the Word of God together, I think we have the absolute revelation of the mind of Christ. Even with this great foundation that we've been given, we'll never arrive at the mind of Christ in the natural realm. It will never come through human reason, reasoning or the wisdom of this world. Paul has already told the Corinthians that. We need to tap into and elevate our spiritual nature. Because even as we study God's Word, and consider the person and work of Jesus Christ, we need the Holy Spirit to bear witness with our spirits. We need our new spiritual nature given to us when we accepted Jesus Christ to be strong and, and vital and, and maximum at its maximum strength in our lives. We do this through the spiritual disciplines, through prayer, fasting, meditation, through solitude and, and service and submission through worship and confession. These activities heighten our ability to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We need to grow in our spiritual discernment. Verse 14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. John writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Probably our best way of testing the spirits, whether the Holy Spirit really is or, or is not speaking to us, is to line up what we think we're hearing against the foundation that we've been given and see how it measures up. The Holy Spirit came to take from what is Christ and make it known to us. So He's not going to contradict the character or, or the teachings or the example of Jesus. The Holy Spirit who has inspired 
what's written in God's Word is not about to contradict the Bible, the Word of God. So Jesus and the Bible are our two best tools for spiritual discernment. We also need to recognize the Spirit's voice through experience and through faith, through laying aside our own wisdom and agendas, through a willingness to respond and evaluate where, his, where He's leading us. Sometimes we do that through trial and error. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, quoted in the Saturday Evening Post, said, When Christians meet, their purpose is not, or should not be, to discern what is the mind of the majority, but what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, something which may be quite different. Paul put it simply, we have the mind of Christ. We have the wisdom of God freely given to us. That doesn't eliminate our need for study, for fellowship, for discernment. In fact, it, it demands it. it. It calls it out to have such an incredible gift and to neglect it or, or misuse it is inexcusable. Accessing the mind of Christ begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' saving work on the cross, through, through knowing Him, loving Him, walking with Him. It increases as we fellowship with God's people. Spiritual conversations with others who are growing spiritually. So that together we have more of God's wisdom than the, than the little piece that I can grab hold of or, or you can grab hold of on our own. Most of all, it requires revelation and inspiration. The Holy Spirit revealing God's wisdom and truth to us based again on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So this morning, if you've, if you've never stepped into that relationship with God, if you've never given your heart and life to Him, you can do so this morning simply by opening your heart and life to Him and accepting Him as Lord and Savior. For those of us who have already taken that step, together, let's seek out and live in the mind of Christ. He has given that to us freely, but we need to seek it out. We need to make it a part of us. And that's true for us both as individuals and certainly as a body of believers. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank You for being a revealing God who has revealed Yourself to us. And, and according to Your Word, has given us access even into the mind of Christ, which is, is tied up with the, the mind of, of God the Father and, and the mind of the Holy Spirit. May we not neglect what we have been given, but may we seek it out. And together in unity, may we live in that mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.